Welcome back, everyone, once again to a new installment of Screenplay Rewind. I'm Jeff. I'm Ron. Oh my god, we made it through friends and family month plus <laughs> extra week. <laughs> is, that, is that why I feel so beat down? <laughs> yeah. I, I've and been so tired. Just, just a lot, a lot of naps and a lot of therapy. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever be the same, but I'm trying. We had some, uh, we had some fun times, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, there were moments. Those I got, I got the to therapy bills. I got to sit back and listen to you twice. I think. Yeah, it's fun times. Fun times. I can't wait to do it again next year. <laughs> you said that was such enthusiasm. Oh, I absolutely loved every second of it. Yeah, it you, is the best. You totally peaked the levels there. I'm gonna uh, yeah. have to. I'm gonna have to take care of that. Yeah, my excitement knows no bounds. No limiter can keep me down. <laughs> <laughs> it feels weird being in charge of what we're watching again i'm gonna be honest it's like we have like 70 episodes of us picking the shit and like 10 of people picking stuff for us and it's like i don't know what to do now man <laughs> it's too much fucking pressure i gotta pick the movie yeah i need to keep better track of that what is this is this like episode 74 uh, i think it's oh, a little God. bit less than that let's Damn see it, i will verify yeah, I'm just going to go over here. We too. had, uh, yes, this is 74, because the thing from Another World, our finale of Friends and Family, was 73. That's yeah. crazy. Almost at 75. <laughs> this is one away, one might this say. one away. From a very round number, <laughs> old 75. It feels weird, because... Round number? It both feels like we've been doing this show for a long time, and also not very long at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, when you do it every other week, uh, the three-year anniversary sneaks up on you. That's in October, dude. It's also primarily, you know, like during the bulk of the pandemic and that whole time frame is just a blur of sadness and yeah, well, <laughs> isolation. It, it all blurred. There's like two years that are just blurred together into one memory. Right? Yeah. It's like, man, that sure fucking sucked and not much happened. So you're just kind of, you know, just stuck inside your house. So the time just blurs. A lot happened. It was just all horrifying. <laughs> Yeah, it's better not to think about it. <laughs> uh, did we have any questions this week, Ron? You know, that's a good question. I'm just going to poke at the YouTube real quick. I didn't even think to look. Yeah, we're, we're almost at 75. You think we'd, we'd be better at it, but we you You would think, well, we're not used to actually getting interaction, and we're starting to. Yeah. Uh, it's weird. I'm not seeing any questions inside the email inbox. I can't get no interaction uh let's see no oh wrong button hang on hang on nope nothing Got wait nothing. no no assholes either nope nothing damn those damn. are the best ones to respond I, I still i still loved that one upload for ballad of buster shrugs <laughs> that that one asshole decided to like uh <laughs> type in about generated the most hits out of the channel <laughs> he, he got us in the algorithm man yeah yeah haven't you figured out the, that you're boring and no one listens to you? And that was like our most popular, our most popular hit. Yeah, thanks, Ben. He gave uh, us the alley oop, man. We were so yeah, we just needed a little boost. It's kind of like that uh, that hacker that went into that one uh, Twitch streamer's channel and literally did the uh, speech to text or text to speech of the dude's uh, full name and address and phone number. So it blared it out to all of his listeners, and the guy was like, I know. <laughs> and just kept playing the game. And then after a few seconds, he goes, thanks for the five bucks, though. <laughs> because the guy had to subscribe to do it. 
my goodness. <laughs> Blares his home address and everything out over his chat, and he just goes, I know. <laughs> well, I have a quick question I can propose to you. Uh, all right, since we all right. didn't have any pop in for us. So with, uh, with Michael Keaton coming back oh. uh, and playing Batman again, who is, out since Michael Keaton is re- reprising his role as Batman, who is someone that you would love to see reprise the role uh, in? It could be like a comic book thing. It could be in something else. Just like someone that you'd love to see come back and play like a certain character. Well, I already got mine. Because uh, I always wanted Michael Keaton to come back if they did a Batman Beyond movie. Oh, that'd be so dope. And be old, grizzled, pissed off Bruce Wayne. Um, I kind of got that. I got half of that, and I'm happy with it. I'll take it. Because I don't want them fucking up Batman Beyond. <laughs> By the way, did you see the director of the uh, the new Flash movie came out and said that they're not replacing uh, Ezra Miller because, and I quote, he's just too good at the role. It's like, really? Well, uh, the guy's a fucking criminal, and uh, no one gives a shit about like how good he is in the role if he's a fucking criminal. So maybe, maybe fire him. I'm, I don't. I'm just saying. Well, a uh, a podcast I was listening to also made the point that doing Flashpoint, they are entering like the multiverse, and they don't. They can recast Flash without recasting him. It can be a different Flash. So they they basically said that they're not. It was worded very specifically. I don't remember exactly how it was worded, but uh, they basically said that they're not recasting Ezra Miller as like this version of the Flash or something. It yeah. it was something worded. It was it was worded very very specifically, and they were talking about how now that they are also entering the multiverse and timelines and all kinds of shit also like Marvel has done that they can technically stay true to that and recast them both (laughs) or them. Um, Sorry. Recast them both. Yeah. Yeah. I also, uh, I don't know if I've told you this. Did you know Aurora was actually uh, an extra in a movie with Ezra Miller and she got to, to meet them and uh, can confirm Ezra Miller is a piece of shit. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, this is known. And yeah, I, she, I feel she, very bad for her that she had to meet them. Yeah, she, she said that they are just a colossal trade wreck to work with. And pretty much everyone on set with Ezra Miller hates Ezra Miller, no matter what the production is, no matter what like capacity it is. So, yeah, uh, fuck, fuck them. And if they are a piece of shit, I don't think they should continue working. Uh, that's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Remember, remember when actors used to get blacklisted for shit? I mean, they kind of do now, but then they just get temporarily blacklisted. And then what's weird is people are so ready to fire everyone. It's a miracle that, and especially with how like Rocky, the DC movies have been, you know, like they basically kind of shit can the Wonder Woman franchise just because the second movie wasn't well received. And they're going to continue using Ezra Miller as the flash just because they like them as the character, even though they are like literally a criminal. I don't get it. Yeah. A felon. Too when we say criminal, yeah. literally, yeah. literally, yeah, literally a criminal, like holding, holding people at knife point and bullshit. Yeah, he's basically like uh, in bad times of the El Royale, like yeah. the way that gang operated is how Ezra Miller operates. Pretty and much, he's just continuing to work in Hollywood because reasons and yeah, some old bullshit, man. Because Hollywood. Uh, so yeah, I can I can provide my answer if you wanted more time to think about which character or which person you'd like to see reprise the role. Yeah, sure. I want to see fucking Carl Urban back as Judge Dredd. 
Okay. I really wanted to see another one of those because I love that Dread movie. It'll be on this podcast eventually because I fucking love that movie. The I love only, him as that character, and I'd like to see him back as that character. The only thing I would counter with is I still want to see Carl Urban as Batman. That's true. So, you know. It, we it, we it, also it, want to see Carl Urban as Indiana Jones, and basically every character we like, we want Carl Urban <laughs> to play that character. <laughs> I still think as good of a Batman as he would be, I still think he'd be an even better Indiana Jones. Yeah, I I, I think Indiana Jones would be just. Absolutely I think he's got the perfect. right amount of the right kind and right amount of charisma. I think he's got the right gruffness to the way he speaks, the way it's almost like he grew up trying to emulate Harrison Ford or something when he was younger. Y- yeah. Cause you know how like Indiana Jones with Harrison Ford, you know, always just has that aura of like, I'm too old for this shit. Yeah. The, uh, Carl Urban like can carry that so well like both with his character and the boys and also like when he was bones in the star trek movies say, you know he was basically he harrison has ford as bones exactly yeah he just has that kind of that aura to him of uh these fucking kids and, and like that's perfect for yeah. indiana jones <laughs> can i just my favorite <laughs> line in all of those star trek movies by the way is when he asked permission to speak freely and you know Spock says he welcomes <laughs> it, and he's just like, "Are you out of your Vulcan mind?" <laughs> That's the best innuendo I think I've ever heard. I think my favorite scene, uh, <laughs> just in general with him, was when he was in- intentionally infecting uh, Kirk with all the diseases to get him on the on the ship. Yeah, <laughs> he's just like, "Now you're gonna break out in sweats. Yeah. Now your tongue's gonna swell up now. Numb tongue? You've got numb tongue? I can fix that. <laughs> like he's just running around." <laughs> It's like, so good. It just keeps injecting him in the neck. He's like, "Stop that!" <laughs> yeah, so good. Uh, yeah, um, so, uh, yeah, who would you like to see reprise a, a role? Let's see. I don't know. My answer to that question was always Michael Keaton. And now you're getting it. And now I'm getting it. So I don't know what to do. My my life has peaked, Jeff. I I can't <laughs> move forward from here. Uh, da da da. I'm like running through everything I love. I, I, here's the thing. Everything old is new again. So like we got Harrison Ford back, both as Han Solo and Indiana Jones. We're getting Michael Keaton back. Um, like it just seems like everyone is reprising their shit. I don't know. Like I said, that was my Peter Cullen came back as Optimus Prime like almost every single time. It'd be cool if uh the entire cast of the losers could reprise uh, even though that budget couldn't be sustainable now no. because of how much everyone blew up after that movie. No, that that wouldn't be feasible, but if they did like um like if they continued where the movie left off in like an HBO series oh that'd be so good you know you know uh like a, a more obscure one that i would like to see come back and reprise a very specific role because because I'm, I'm just kind of browsing around my blu-ray shelf right now uh clive owen as his character in shoot him up would be really fun to come back and make another movie with because i would be good always really liked him as that character what is clive owen doing he i just, don't know he's he, kind of he, vanished yeah. He he pops up every now and then in something. Uh, he was in that. Oh, oh and God. we're getting we're getting Hugh Jackman back as Wolverine, so we're getting that. Yeah, like uh, I every every one that I would want <laughs> is coming back or has. Yeah, he came back. What was that? It was like an HBO or Cinemax show. I'm trying to find out what it was, but yeah, he was he was in like a pretty recent like uh, hit of a TV show. 
in uh, the third Jurassic Park movie, we had the original cast also. We had Sam Neill, we had uh, 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 Laura Dern, and we had Jeff Goldblum in the last like two or three of them. Uh, the Nick, that was the name of that show. That was supposed to be really good. I just never got around to checking it out. Did you know Clive Owen was in that Valerian in the City of a Thousand whatever? He... Thousand Planets? So did it, yeah, Thousand Planets. Did you know he was in that? I didn't know he was in that. Is that the one with Meg? And um, and uh, what's the uh, the guy from the dancing movie? This is the Luke Besson movie with uh, Dane DeHaan, uh, Cara Delevingne, okay, Ethan Hawke. Okay. If you saw like the poster I'm, of it, I think I'm, you remember this movie coming out. I don't. I don't think either of us saw it. I'm thinking of something else. Clearly, um, what? My brain totally just went blank what is the the actress that plays meg what is her name meg from family guy yeah mila kunis there we go <laughs> jesus uh oh, imdb has a banner at the top of the page it's michael keaton in the bat wing oh yeah uh jupiter ascending is what i'm thinking of oh yeah I think those uh, movies came out like right around the same time and everyone kind of hated them. So they just kind of blurred together. I, in think minds. I think that's why I get them confused. I don't think this is the first time I've done this. Yeah. Um, I don't think I know this movie. Valerian. Yeah. Dark force threatens alpha. Vast I feel like we talked about it before. Cause it's Luke Besson. We did. I, cover I think we probably a couple of Luke Besson movies. Yeah. We covered, uh, god lockout i think we talked about it when we reviewed lockout i can't i can't uh i can't think of herbie hancock without thinking of is it uh tommy boy when david spade's like i'm just gonna need your john hancock and chris farley's like john hancock it's herbie hancock um <laughs> uh, i think of that every time i hear herbie hancock's name yeah I don't think I know this movie. I feel like we talked about it and you knew of it at some point and it was so forgettable well, that it just left your fucking memory databank. Here's the gone. thing. Did I know it or was I thinking of Jupiter Ascending? That's true. Yeah, you might have been thinking about the, uh, it was like, the, that was Channing Tatum, right? That's the guy from the dancing movie I was trying to think of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Magic Mike. That's the dancing movie you're talking about. Oh, yeah. I like he's how- in that too. Uh, wait, what's the dancing movie? If it's not Magic Mike with him that you're thinking of. Isn't he in... Uh, oh, is it Step Up? Was yeah, that the Step one Up. That, there you go. There that, you go. See, that's what I think of because that's the first time I saw him. I just had to so play that movie. Fucking Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon to figure out a movie title. <laughs> I'm so tired and my back hurts and I'm getting yeah, on we a were plane supposed... soon. Actually, by the yeah, time we... people are hearing this, I'm on the plane. Yeah, Rod's going on vacay. Yeah. yeah, we were supposed to record this last night and ended up getting uh, delayed a day. Yeah, we probably should have. I think I was in a better state last night than I am right now. No, if you're, if you're in a worse state, that usually leads to better <laughs> recordings. I'm definitely punchy right now. Yeah. Just go uh, shotgun a Red Bull. You'll be fine. I'm, I'm halfway out. through a V8 Energy. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, let's, uh, I say so you didn't have an answer for their actor reprisal, I don't think. I don't think so. I'm getting. I've either got them or already gotten them, and I can't. That's fair. I can't 
it's think yeah, it's of tough someone. to pull. I basically anytime I have to answer a question uh, without being prompted ahead of time, I basically just cheat and browse over my Blu-ray shelf, and then just like rummage through ideas in my brain at the time because like, I can look through it like uh, movies I have and just kind of like spitball like what? actors out of them or whatever. What's his face from uh, New Girls? One of my favorite Spider-Mans I've ever seen, and he's in the second movie also that's hitting theaters today, I think. So his he's uh, he's Peter yeah. B. Parker. I love Peter B. Parker. Uh, Peter B. Parker gives me hope that I too one day could be Spider Man. Yeah, it's like pudgy, like middle aged yeah. Spider Man. It's like yes, please. Yeah, got that, a bad attitude. That sounds exactly like me. <laughs> that and Fat Thor. Like they finally started making <laughs> superheroes from my demographic. I love that in uh, the new Thor, they took the time to show him <laughs> the training montage. They, yeah, they showed the training montage. <laughs> I'm got so the glad. Chains in slow motion. <laughs> I'm so glad they showed that because that was fucking gold. Because uh, most of the time, I feel like they would have just, you know, you know, one year later, and he is just skinny ripped Thor again. But the fact that they showed him fat again and having to lose the weight made me happy. <laughs> uh, I love that. What What was your What was your overall take on that movie? Because uh, I've been slowly finding out that I feel like I'm the only person that likes Love and Thunder. I uh, I really really liked it. Uh, the I hate. Uh oh god what Jane is that her name I hate her yeah. as a character and the fact that she was pretty much like the the focus point of that movie made me like it a little bit less but everything else I loved I loved the villain uh, Christian Bell as that character it was awesome Dude, what Christian they did with them like the black and Christian Bell is amazing in it and what they did with the cinematography every time it turned into the black and white realm was fucking incredible to see uh, I probably still uh, like Ragnarok better, surprisingly, because I was anti-Ragnarok at first, but then started to like it more over time. But I really liked Love and Thunder. See, I've been overall. hearing and reading people saying that basically because Ragnarok exists, they hate Love and Thunder. And I'm like, yeah, why, that makes why not absolutely both? no sense. Why it's not the exact both? same it's the exact same tone. How can you yeah. like one and not like the other one? I don't know. It's don't just a Taika, it. it's a fucking Taika YTT thor movie that's like saying guardians one is so good that guardians two can't exist it's like yeah. that makes no sense it's the same fucking tone and the same fucking characters they um here's the thing uh i was real i i really did not like ragnarok the first couple of times i saw it it, it grew on me over time love and thunder same. i fucking love that movie the goats the, the goats, goats made the movie dude, um, <laughs> fucking zeus Russell Crowe as Dick Zeus. I fucking Hell love yeah. it. Uh, yeah, it. I don't know. I love it so much more than Ragnarok. Like, I like Ragnarok, but even in theaters, like I could finish actors' lines before they saw them. Like, I just saw yeah. everything a million. It seemed very amateurish. Um, but dude. that was also kind of like that cheeky tone is exactly what they were going for. You yeah. know, like, that's why they went. That's why they went and got Jeff Goldblum because Jeff Goldblum is fucking born for that type of movie. You oh know? my god. Uh, and he's hilarious in that movie. Uh, <laughs> the slaves are escaping. Whoa, whoa, no, but, no, um, I don't like that word. No, uh, the prisoners think, with jobs um, are escaping. <laughs> the prisoners with jobs. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think uh, Love and Thunder doesn't get enough respect for the villain. Because I know I actually sympathize with Christian Bale's character in that, like, way more than ninety nine percent of the MCU villains who are typically just cannon fodder to get their ass kicked in the third act and have like no point to them but i really liked his character and i i mean obviously it's christian bale so he'd fucking act his ass out on a like a fucking commercial you know yeah. <laughs> so like, if you give him an actual selling used cars like that, 
Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I really liked it. I don't know how we got off on this tangent, but yeah, I, I fucking love Love and Thunder. And I just, every time I hear someone talk about how bad that movie is, I'm like, but I love that movie so much. Yeah. I, I Usually they don't really have and, like a baseline for their dislike of it too. Because yeah. like they'll they'll say something about it that they dislike, and then I'll be I will counter that is exactly what happens in Ragnarok. It, it they're so similar in tone and yeah, like char- like the only thing that's different. Uh, and I I get it because I also just dislike her as a character. I I wish they hadn't made Jane such an important character. I would have rather spent more time with Valkyrie because I thought Valkyrie was a much cooler character than Jane. I don't like Jane. I don't like the actress either. But I kind of liked her as that version of Thor. I don't know why. It just kind of that that actually just kind of worked for me. And her powers being set different than Thor's were, was pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. The hammer shattering out like a shotgun and coming reassembling is so fucking cool. I really liked the part where she died. That was really cool. <laughs> Spoilers, <laughs> Jeff. I I mean. I don't care. <laughs> I just gave someone out there an incentive to go watch the movie if they hadn't already. Because <laughs> Jane dies. I love the uh, See, interstitials with uh, with Taika Waititi as the is it Korg? Is that the rock guy doing yeah. the, the narration? When he's like, he's always fucking up her name. It's like, and Jane Fonda came to the rescue. <laughs> that um, part was funny. You are uninvited uh, from the orgy. <laughs> Then I had to oh, explain man. to my kids what an orgy was. <laughs> <laughs> Thank oh you, Marvel. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get into it. Uh, yeah. So, uh, spoilers for the Princess Bride, which is uh, you know thirty five years just, old, just something 30, like that. Thirty years, thirty six. Like, I can't. It's too late for math. Uh, what's uh, thirteen and twenty three? Like, yeah, thirty six years, something like that. <laughs> Think so. Thirty six. Quick math. It's the it's spoilers. The, it's the same I page would as have, my wife. I would have bet my life that you had seen this movie, so I was dumbfounded when I picked this. I uh, and have seen the memes. I've heard the references. I've never seen the movie. Yeah, that fucking shocked me because uh, I, I felt like everyone had seen the Princess Bride, but I found the one guy. <laughs> <laughs> found the one guy. Uh, yeah, we'll do uh, the cast and crew and everything, and then kind of jump into it. Uh, this is directed by Rob Reiner who most people don't really think of as a director, but have you ever looked back at his kind of uh, catalog from the mid to late 80s? Nope. He had an insane string of directorial efforts. Like, check this out. Okay, so it's around the same time he does The Princess Bride, right? This is... So this was 87. I'm finding his... Okay. So this is his fucking string of movies. I'm on acting. Let me talk. I hate IMDb so I, much. I hate IMDb. Setup. Where you can like toggle between like yep. director and writer and bullshit. Yeah, hey, okay. Spinal Tap, Stand By Me, The Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery, and A Few Good Men. Those are all in a row. That's crazy. Those are a lot of like pretty notable movies from the like late 80s and early 90s. And of and, those and, movies, and, I have seen Misery and Princess Bride. Really? You haven't seen Stand By Me? Oh, Sam Raimi is really good. I really like that movie. One of the uh, few Stephen King uh, adaptations of one of his things that's not horror. That and like Shawshank. Like, Dude, two, like the only one. Misery is so good. Misery is fucking amazing. Like, 
think of the directorial tone of Misery versus The Princess Bride. Like, that's a lot of rage <laughs> for Rob Ryder. And I feel like he's kind of underrated because if you just watch this and watch Misery, uh, you're just like, that's the same dude? It's like, really? It's so weird seeing James Caan as not the villain. And Kathy Bates terrifies me to oh this day because of this movie. That scene with the foot. Like, oh, the sledgehammer. I, the sound effect oh, of no. that happening haunts me to this very day. She just slowly I, and methodically sets the wood between his legs and Oh my goodness, it's fucking brutal, dude. Uh Yeah, I just uh, want to point that out. I feel like uh, most people don't associate Rob Reiner with directing, but like dude had like a crazy run there for a minute. I'm trying hang on, I'm trying to remember. In the Family Guy version of Misery, wasn't it Brian? was james khan was it stewie that was kathy bates i, I think so i don't remember i think it was, think it was. <laughs> so good also take a drink because we uh reference family guy i think that's on the take a drink segment now we've been the referencing family guy a lot lately <laughs> that's also the episode where i think what causes brian's car wreck is he hits stephen king with his car and stephen king is flying through the air and he goes oh, this would make a great book. And he just sits there and starts writing on a notepad with a pencil. And when he hits the ground, he goes, done. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so good. good. Uh, All right. Uh, your writer is William Goldman. Hang who on. had also written the novel. This is based on, sorry, what's up? Hang on real quick. Rob Reiner, is he in a relation to Carl Reiner? Yes, he is his dad. I'm pretty sure. That explains a lot, I think. Because isn't Carl Reiner uh, Mel Brooks's like best buddy? pretty sure I, they did I um, they did get smart together and they did like a ton of different yeah yeah different pretty movies sure. together and stuff yeah that uh, that i think that shows in this movie this movie has a lot of that energy yes in it for sure it has a lot uh, of mel brooks energy in it a lot of mel brooks energy to it uh so it is written by william goldman who had also written the novel. Uh, we will go into some of the differences between the book and the novel later, because I think they're really interesting. And I think it's actually a really, really great piece of adaptation. Uh, I, I don't know how much you know about the the novel, as far as, like, the... You know how this has, like, the meta part of it, where it is the, the grandfather and the kid <laughs> reading the book? Yes, the, the, and the instant that I figured out that's what was going to happen, I just laughed to myself, because... There is, I don't know if this is the movie that started it, that trope or not, but there is a slew of movies in Mystery Science Theater that are all that same format. Oh, yeah. It was, I guarantee you they're all ripoffs <laughs> of this because the, prin the Princess Bride was fucking huge. Like, uh, it, it was very influential around this time, I would say. It's, um, yeah, there are so many Mystery Science Theater movies that are that way and that are narrated by Grandpa and stuff. So it's interesting. It's like, the 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 meta frame for the movie is the grandpa you know reading the book of the princess bride to the grandkid right right well like the original novel that william goldman wrote he is in the novel himself and he's basically presenting the story as an abridged version of a book that his father had read to him as a child a historical account of the kingdom uh so the uh and it's funny it's like the narration in the book it states that you know, like he found the entire book to be really boring so he abridged it himself for the good parts in the princess bride <laughs> uh, so, so basically the way he adapted it for the movie is he took the good parts and made it the book 
that the, the separate grandfather is reading to his grandson. And I, I found that kind of like interesting. Like the, the, the book, I haven't read it, but it's apparently like much more meta than the, the movie is. And I think that's a smart choice to make it very lightly meta where it's, yeah. you know, just, it's just uh, a few scenes. Like what are they on screen in total of like maybe like five minutes? Something Peter like Falk that. And, and, uh, Which is why I always wonder like, why is that even necessary? <laughs> uh it's it's not at all i mean yeah. hey, it's more it's it's an excuse that peter falk on screen that's okay it's fucking colombo dude put like, him I'm in okay the movie that. not the not don't make him the grandfather put him in the movie make him a weird guy yeah they do have a lot of cameos of weird guys yeah they do <laughs> uh let's uh let's get into it with the cast uh so this is uh carrie uh elvis probably his most famous role i'd say and uh, uh, well, everyone knows who carrie elvis is but I feel like his career, you, you'd think he would have ended up doing more after this because it was such a huge hit, but he, he hasn't really done a whole lot outside of this, which is a shame because I like Carrie Elvis in this. So I know him from Robin Hood Men in Tights mostly. And yeah, I absolutely understand why they cast him in that movie after seeing this. This had oh, yeah. to be what got him that movie. It's absolutely. His character is very similar. Um, he's really fucking charismatic. Uh, it's weird that he he's a, have, he's I, attractive. He's charismatic. He can do uh, physical comedy. He's great at just comedy in general. Dude, his physical comedy at the ending of this movie that we'll talk about is hysterical to me <laughs> when he uh-huh. is pretending to like uh-huh. not be able to move when he's Chris Some Pratt of, trying to escape the it, lava and fallen it, kingdom. It, it's so good. I uh, love it. Yeah, it's. I don't know where he kind of disappeared to. Like one of the most recent things I remember him doing is Liar Liar. And that's uh, the most it. notable thing I feel like he's done over the last like several, several years was his uh his role in uh, Saw. He's in the first Saw movie. Is he then, really? It, yeah, he's the main the main guy in the first Saw movie. Interesting. And then comes back eventually. Uh, uh yeah. Really, see, really like you would you would think he would have done more major roles after this and, and and Robin Minutes because he's just so fucking good and he's so likable. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it's it weird. is. Uh, we have Mandy Patinkin as Aniko Montoya, one of my favorite characters from the movie. <laughs> and uh, the only the reason I never knew Carrie Elwes was in this movie is because every meme is always of Mandy Patinkin. Pat Patinkin. 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 Yeah. Excuse me, I have to go Patinkin. Because, <laughs> uh. The the yeah, the Nico Montoya is probably the like his main quote is probably the most quoted. Movie. I mean, this movie is like full of like really good quotes, but that's probably the most quoted part of the movie, I'd say. Uh, you have uh, Robin Wright in here. Yeah, you do. That you have. Uh, this was actually, I think, her first role because I think in the credits it says like introducing Robin Wright, and for her first role, like, she's really good in this. I'd say. Uh, yeah. She she isn't given as much to do <laughs> because just everyone else has such good material to work with as far as like comedic one liners, dude. She has the best one-liner of the movie because of her delivery. Uh, which one would you say? <laughs> She's like, this will be the last time I'll be seeing you as when I get to my room, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> Won't that be fun? <laughs> it's so good. Her delivery on that line makes it the best line in the entire movie. It's really good. It's really good. It's so matter of fact and just kind of like, what the fuck? You know what's like funny too is... Uh, her other major film role would be probably Jenny from Forrest Gump, but okay. uh, I don't think you ever watched it. Did you ever watch House of Cards? No, I know so, she's in that. Yes, uh, she plays uh, the wife of Kevin Spacey's character and is the co lead of that show. 
and she is intimidating as fuck and awesome and like brutal in that show so to get to see her in this versus house of cards after having watched that you know uh, in its entirety uh robin wright has really great range as far as just how kind of like innocent and charming she can be but then like on like a dime just become like really intense in that show like you should watch uh, if, if you don't intend to watch the entire show because i understand it's like hard to watch kevin spacey material now because of what happened with them but if you just watch you know like some of the best scenes of house of cards with her like she's crazy good in that show yeah she's a really good actress but she's just not one that i have a lot of experience with mainly what i think of when i think of her is that animated beowulf movie i never saw that was that she any good yeah we uh we had it in imax we built it up and screened it uh it was imax 3d it was one of the early digital conversions it wasn't really made in 3d but i want to say she was married at the time to uh robert zemeckis and he was putting her in everything because i want to say she's also doesn't she have like a bit part in um christmas train movie um how did i forget the fucking name of that movie polar express yeah um because he did that back through her stuff she's in christmas carol that's also robert zemeckis uh robert zemeckis uses her a lot in stuff and they're all animated and all in imax um but it was the digital conversions uh robert zemeckis didn't use them for a while and beowulf was notable because when he finally did start using it in beowulf it was actually good like it wasn't as good as like Polar Express because Polar Express wasn't digitally converted. It was a digital movie, but it was made kind of using the same technique as the way they film um, yeah. 3D. And Beowulf was actually a conversion and it it wasn't Polar Express, but it was pretty good on the on the 3D. I'm not seeing her I'm 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 not seeing her as being a part of the Polar Express, but she was in uh, Beowulf and she was in A Christmas Carol. Yeah. Uh, so she was in a few of those around that time, that type of like animation. But I don't, I'm not seeing her as a part of Polar Express unless I'm just missing it. Dude, Chris she was Man- also most recent, most recently probably uh, people would recognize her from the Wonder Woman movies where she was Antiope. See, the, uh, I didn't know like, that until tonight. Oh, you didn't know that was her? I didn't know that was her yeah, she, until tonight. She is very unrecognizable in those movies, especially with her accent. Yeah, uh, yeah, she's kind of like following along with Gal Gadot's accent, do, which do, they which do. they use as the foundation for all their accents. Can can I just sell you on the Beowulf movie real quick? Yeah, yeah. I've always I was always curious about it. I just never got around to watching it. Robert Zemeckis, Neil Gaiman, Ray okay. Winstone, Crispin Glover. Did, did uh, Neil Gaiman? Did he write it? He did. Okay, okay. Ray Winstone, Crispin Glover, Angelina Jolie, Robin Wright, Anthony Hopkins. Jesus Christ, that's a good guess. John Malkovich. Malkovich, Malkovich. Uh huh. That's yeah. crazy. That's so if guess. that doesn't sell you, I don't I don't really know how to get you to watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we should have uh being John Malkovich on the show just because of how fucking weird it was. I and never when saw I first it. watched it. When I first watched it, it was so fucking bonkers, I couldn't really like wrap my mind around it. Do you know the basic plot line of that movie? No. Being John Malkovich is about this guy being at his office building, right? And he Does finds he give I the should... man his money. I shit you not, he finds a hole in the wall of his office that when you walk into, you come out the other side and you are John Malkovich. That is the <laughs> literally John Malkovich the actor. That is the plot line of that movie. That, uh, it's so 
It's so fucking weird and specific. I kind of want to cover it on here just to watch it again. That sounds like a John Malkovich ass movie. Right? Um, did I tell you that in the Aragon movie, one of the reasons I was so angry about that movie is they wasted perfect casting because John Malkovich is the evil king. Oh, that's that's a shame that they wasted it because I, I love me some Malkovich, man. You um, you see his dragon and, and everything at the end of the movie. Man. Yeah, because he's supposed to be the last dragon rider. He killed all the other ones. Gotcha. So all yeah, right, let's uh let's run to the rest of this cast though. Uh, nah. so we have... let's just keep talking about John Malkovich. <laughs> let's just keep talking about John Malkovich. She's <laughs> not in this movie. Uh, we have uh Chris Sarandon as Prince Humperdinck. <laughs> I swear to God, I've seen Chris Sarandon on something else recently. Uh, he a- is... any relation to Susan Sarandon? Maybe. I don't know. Uh. He is the voice of Jack Skellington when he's not singing. That's pretty interesting. Really? Did not realize that was him. I thought uh, Danny Elfman was Jack Skellington the he whole time. The, he, yeah, I, I always thought that too, but apparently he is the voice of Jack Skellington. Dude, that is done post. so seamlessly. I never realized it wasn't Danny Elfman. Right? Yeah, it was really well done. Holy crap. Yes. Also, I'm Danny Elfman can sing. I don't know if yeah. anyone realized that that was the singing voice for uh, Jack Skellington or not, but goddamn. Yeah, he's amazing. What's this is something I listen to all the time near like Halloween and, and Christmas time. I always <laughs> love that song. I don't know why, but the uh, the meme of him holding the snowflake in that song and just the subtitle saying, what the fuck is this? makes me laugh so hard every time. Yeah, it's pretty great. Because <laughs> I always hear it in Danny Elfman's voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, we have uh, Christopher Guest, who plays Count Rugen, he the man with six fingers. Guest be our guest now now how much did you love wallace john as the cd of this because he's hysterical in this. okay <laughs> if you need a shrimpy um <laughs> nerdy loser you get rick moranis if you need a shrimpy nerdy loudmouth, annoying guy you get wallace sean they play Dude, the same was... roles just 15 <laughs> degrees off of each other he was so fucking he's perfectly so cast i mean this. At this point, especially having kids, I mainly know him as Rex from Toy Story. But, <laughs> but I don't want to use my head. <laughs> <laughs> but, dude, oh, my God. Every movie dude. Wallace Shawn is in, he's one of the best characters. The the scene that when he's talking about which poison the goblet's in. Which, and, by the way, I called is... when I watched it because I was like, the only thing you could do is put it in both put it in both and, but yeah it's so obvious which is part of the bit right it's so obvious what he's it's going so to obvious. do and yeah. he goes on this long dialogue about which one it could be in and i'm like dude it's in both you want to know how smart i am socrates plato <laughs> morons <laughs> oh my god the dialogue in this movie is fucking astounding because they're they're like just some lines it's so like witty it catches you off guard because it's like that mel brooks thing where it's like it's more witty than you expect it to be in the type of comedy they're portraying right uh you know what this movie what it actually kind of reminds me of it's got some like mel brooks and carl reiner energy to it but really while their stuff is usually more like physical gags Right? Like, lend me your ears and pulls off their ear and throws it at him and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the shoe phone and get smart. But what it really kind of reminds me of, if you've ever seen any skit from Monty Python, yeah, the, especially 
the ones where like someone's behind a desk and there's a two-sided conversation going on and it works together. Like most of the funniest skits from Monty Python are all heavy dialogue and nothing else happening. And that is what this movie is doing very well. It reminds me a lot of like, you know, who are you? I'm King Arthur. King, I didn't vote for you. Like, (laughs) you know, it's a lot of that type stuff in this movie not so much physical the um the mel brooks one that it most reminds me of uh as far as like uh kind of like leaning on what you're saying as far as it being focused around mostly dialogue and a little bit of slapstick but mostly dialogue is like young frankenstein young frankenstein is very heavily like based on its dialogue instead it has its moments of slapstickiness but you know how it's like mostly trained around the dialogue and focused there well the thing that's interesting about that and then one of the reasons why we need to have it on the show actually is because it yeah, had to be not on young Frankenstein. Like what it the fuck's ha- wrong with it, us? so like Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner had set out to do like at least one movie for every genre. And when you get to like universal monsters and classic horror movies and stuff, we talked about this on the, um, the thing from another world, your budget and your effects were so limited that it would be dialogue. It would be scenes full of people. So that's what Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner had to work with in that movie. So it's a lot less slapsticky and more dialogue based than a lot of their other stuff because of it. Because they were emulating that kind of movie. They had to. Yep. It's it's a very different but still very good movie. We need to get that on the show sometime. I'm actually shocked we haven't had Young Frankenstein on the show yet. There's a really good story. There's a really good story in that documentary I keep recommending every time he comes up. Um, what is it? Play it loud? Something like that. Uh, make a noise. It's make a noise. Yeah. Um, Mel Brooks talks about how he managed to keep that movie black and white, and it's amazing because the studio wanted to colorize it. Of course they did. Yeah. And Fuckers. he. And he he tied their how, hands how, so how good. dare them question mel brooks by the way get <laughs> the fuck out of here you try to you try to challenge mel brooks on a comedic decision <laughs> there's like, there's a there's a scene in that documentary for blazing saddles when apparently like, carl reiner is talking about they sat down at the heads of the studio and they're like okay look you can't use the n-word and it does this just super cut of all the times they use the N-word in the movie. And then it's like, you can't have a Native American punching a horse, and it cuts to him punching the horse. Like, you can't have a farting campfire scene, and it cuts to the farting campfire scene. Uh, that's and that's amazing. Apparently, everything they said, Mel Brooks is sitting there like, uh-huh, uh-huh, being very professional, listening to them, writing it all down. Like, okay, yeah, we'll work on that. We'll take that out. We'll do this. And when they leave, he, uh, according to other people, this isn't Mel Brooks telling the story. Like according to Carl Reiner and other people, as soon as they leave, he tears that page off, crumbles it up, throws it in the trash can. <laughs> <laughs> he told him, yep, we'll do all of those things. And then he just threw it away. Oh, man. It's so good. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, anyways, where how, were we? <laughs> how likable is Andre the Giant in this movie? This is the first time I've ever seen him. I've never, se- so- I've never even seen a picture of him. I've always just heard the name. He is so good in this movie. He's so likable. Like the way he just delivers his lines. Like uh, that that first scene when they have him just kind of like 
rhyming shit with an ego on the boat yeah and you just you immediately love like everyone in this movie you're supposed to love like they make them so charisma like charismatic and so likable just instantly like you're so drawn to them and uh just <laughs> like <laughs> the, the, the scene he's talking about throwing the rock at Wesley <laughs> is so fucking good. And he's talking to him, he's like, you know what? You actually have an advantage. I'm used to fighting several guys at once. It's a lot different when you're fighting one guy <laughs> instead of a half dozen. <laughs> um, so good. Is this the movie the where he legendarily had like a 30 second something fart? Uh probably. <laughs> and like everyone just stops what they're doing until he's done, and then like the director or something was like are you, you know, are you good? And he's like, I am now, boss. Like, there's this Dude. legendary story about Andre the Giant on a movie set. It's probably this one, I, I'd imagine. Um, dude, and just like uh, that scene towards the end, uh, when he finds Anigo, when Anigo is like really drunk and just plastered on the like the front porch of that house, and you <laughs> see that fucking uh, like the Mandy Patinkin trying to fucking sober yeah, him up. So it's so good, but Mandy Patinkin's like entire torso is the size of Andre the Giant's hand, and you're just like, <laughs> Jesus Christ! I cut through the whole movie. He just keeps grabbing people by the back of their shirt and just lifting them up. He does yeah. it like eighteen times. <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> when uh, Wallace Shawn is giving him shit for not being faster at climbing the rope when he's doing it at, like Superman speed yeah. with three guys attached to him he's like he has no one attached to him I have three people attached to me <laughs> oh my god this. This, is one can, of those movies, this is one of those movies where it's 90 minutes long it feels like a 30 minute episode of like a comedic TV show to me when I'm watching it because it just bl it blows by and it's just like, a, you know, like, there's some movies for you and some shows are just kind of like almost like a comfort food where you can just kind of like have it on the background and sometimes it's kind of like, like veg out to it. And it's always just like a welcome addition to your day. Like that's what this movie is one of those for me. Yeah, it's, like this movie is just so likable and so charismatic. I can't help but like smile when I watch it every time. If you dialed like Monty Python back from 11 to like eight, I would say that that's pretty much what this movie is. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Agreed. Let's see. We have um, scrum back to the cast. As we already mentioned, Peter Falk, Columbo himself, is the thing. Yeah, is the as like as the grandfather. I fucking uh, love Peter Falk, man. I love Peter Falk too, and he's he's so good at this. Like when he just starts shit talking the kid. Like, <laughs> Dude, <laughs> has Peter Falk ever had a role where he wasn't instantly likable? Even if he's a shitbag, he's instantly likable. Yeah, he was so fucking likable as a dude that like, no matter what he said or did in the movie or TV show he was in, you love the dude. Like, it, it, I just want to sit down Falk, and man. talk to Peter Falk, you know? Yeah, what an absolute legend, man. Uh, the grandson is played by Fred Savage. Uh, probably his most famous role, which is kind of funny because he's in the movie for like five total minutes right. of that. Um, yeah. And then uh, the, the rest of the cast, uh, probably the most notable... Uh, kind of cameo is Billy Crystal's Miracle Max. Is Billy yeah. Crystal ever not awesome? I don't think so. Every <laughs> even even if you don't like the movie he's in, he is awesome in it. Like Billy yeah. Crystal is always just the best. And <laughs> I want I want to be called Miracle Max in something. I don't even care if it's just Dark Souls. I want to be awesome. Miracle Max. That's such Miracle a great Max. name. I love when uh, they have Wesley and his dead ass corpse on the. 
<laughs> on the like uh, table in front of him, and he holds up his arm and just lets it plop back down. He's like, "I've seen worse." <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! I love this movie. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we've covered the the majority of the cast. Uh, let's uh, let's let's get into it. So, what was this? Was your first time watching it? Out. So basically, your only exposure to it being the memes. Uh, what was your just kind of like overall reaction to it? It sounds like you know pretty positive since you're comparing it to kind of like a slightly toned down Monty Python. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty positive. My biggest problem with the movie is I've already seen uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yeah, I can see that. That that's basically my biggest problem with it, which is no fault of the after, movie. I think that came out after this too, right? Like ten years after, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because this is eighty seven. I want to say like nine, like ninety six or something is Robin Hood. Yeah, very very similar tone, and obviously like with yeah. the setting being and fairly Carrie similar. Carrie Elwes, and he's basically the same character but dialed up a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah it's. But I, like I said, I definitely get why they cast him in Robin Hood. I, you couldn't cast anyone else after he did this movie. Um, right. But no, I mean, I liked it. I mean, I didn't. I didn't dislike it. I, it's. It's been hyped up for me over the years also, and it survived that. So, I mean, that's saying something. Yeah. And this is one of those, like, some people will just flat out tell you, like, this is my favorite movie. You know, it's that kind of hype. I used to work uh, with a guy at the bank that said this is the best movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, the people the people that love The Princess Bride, like, fucking love The Princess Bride. So the fact that it survived that much hype, I, I think, is a testament to how good it is. Like uh, I don't know that I would sit down and watch it again unless like someone I was with wanted to, but I like I wouldn't be against to watching it again. But I wouldn't seek it out on my own probably. Uh, I I could pretty much watch this like any time. Uh, we we watched it a couple of weeks ago and I decided to pick it. I didn't, just went ahead and watched it again today just as a refresher and I I laugh at all the same jokes every time. I think the characters are just so likable. Like the especially like uh Anika Montoya, Carrie Elwes, and Andre the Giant are just so likable and all the scenes with Walt Sean are obviously hysterical because he's just, you know, amazing. What, uh, what I was, I've been trying to think of it all day because I knew we were going to record today. I was trying to think of it all yesterday and all day today. What is the movie that the dude has the poison knife and he's really proud. He has a poison knife. And then he does that movie trope of licking the blade. And then he looks at the knife and looks back at the people he was threatening and goes, Oh crap. And then just falls over dead. <laughs> like I feel like that was mimicking the Wallace Shawn scene, but I can't think of what movie that is. Let's see. I just Googled it. Poison uh, knife. I, I feel like I can probably find it here pretty soon. Ah. Oh God. Embrace dark mode websites. Oh, I think this is it. Um, oh, is good. it a movie or is it a TV show? It looks like it might be a TV show. I don't know. Based on what I'm seeing. Oh my god. None of these links work. Um, Hero Yoshiko and the Demon King's Castle. Yeah, I think I just found it too. I don't know what year that came out. Yoshihiko, sorry. Were you able to find it? I'm trying. I found the name, but I can't find. Can't find the old Imdaba. Yeah. But that's what um, 
someone on Reddit said it was, but all the links they have for it are all broken. Oh, it came out in... It is a TV show uh, from 2011. Okay, so they, they have to be mimicking that in that scene, right? I, I think so. It's I think very it's like similar. Too, yeah, I think it's too uh, much of a famous scene for it not to be, you know, a direct homage to it. But yeah, um, I, here's the thing. It was all downhill for me after Inigo Montoya and uh, Wesley with the scene with him trying to climb up the cliff face and throw him the rope and then the fight and the <laughs> conversation they have. Everything after that was just downhill. Like, that was where the movie peaks for me. That is a great scene. Like their, their dialogue. <laughs> You're a very that nice right fellow. It's a, sh- You're a very nice fellow. It's a shame Python to kill you. Skit. You're a very nice fellow. It's a shame to die. <laughs> That's probably my favorite line. <laughs> Exchange of the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> and they're so good too at their uh <laughs> their their back and forth is and like uh the stunt work is really good too uh yeah a lot of it is was done by you know you can tell it's them doing a lot of the fencing and it's impressive like fencing like they're fucking fast like when they're doing their exchanges yeah it's fucking crazy fast like you can tell like they put a lot of work into it who are you no one of consequence i must know get used to disappointment <laughs> <laughs> i love when he's uh talking to him on the side of the cliff he's like yeah. can you <laughs> like contrary to popular belief this is not as easy as it looks so could you please stop distracting me uh, he was like uh see i don't think you can fully appreciate like how good the dialogue in this movie is until you watch it like one like a, a second or third time and you're just like holy fuck like almost every other line is quotable but like, I promise I will not kill you until you reach the top. That's very comforting. <laughs> I'm afraid you'll just have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, so like you have the stuff, not every line of this is going to make you like, like, you know, die laughing. But every other line is something that is memorable and can like bring a smile to your face. And it's so consistent. And like one of the things I like most about this movie is, good God, it is a breeze like there's you know i'm always big on cutting excess scene like uh uh scenes from stuff and just i think it's a huge problem with hollywood in general now i feel like and we talked about this multiple times every movie is just like basically like 30 minutes too long unnecessarily and just like really fucks up the pacing for a lot like even with superhero movies superhero movies nowadays are like two hours and 20 minutes at minimum and i'm just like come on guys we don't need them to be that fucking long you know like they yeah. can they can be ninety minutes to an hour and forty five and be fine and get your fucking point across. Not everything has to be an epic. Yeah, everything. I, I like how this is so much of a breeze. Everything we've been talking about with Princess Bride and any of the Mel Brooks stuff or any of the, like, like Monty Python and the Holy Grail, any of that type stuff, you just can't do it today. You just can't. No one can make the same jokes now because the studios don't have the balls, and like. You know, them being afraid of Blazing Saddles because, like, they use the N-word and all the racist stuff in it. And, like, that was the point of the movie. The whole point of the movie is that racism is stupid. And that's all the stuff that they <laughs> wanted to remove. Uh, yeah, you know, exactly. Like, you just, you can't, you can't make the style of movie today. And if you tried, you're just going to fuck it up. <laughs> I, there's, there's This type of movie just can't exist anymore. And it's a shame. Uh, another one of my favorite quotes from that scene is when he's on the side of the cliff and he says, uh, I have some rope up here. 
But I do not think that you would accept my help since I'm only waiting around to kill you. Then he says, uh, that does put a damper on our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really so like that. Good. I hate waiting. I could give you my word as a Spaniard. No good. I've known too many Spaniards. <laughs> <laughs> I do not mean to pry, but you don't by any chance happen to have six figures on your right hand. Do you always begin conversations this way? <laughs> it's so fucking good. Surrender. Oh my god. You mean you wish to surrender to me? Very well, I accept. Yeah. You just like scroll back through so scroll back through the quote section for this fucking movie. There's so many good one-liners. It's like unfair. It's so fucking like strong just like all all the way throughout with the uh, the one-liners. Your first story yeah. was better. <laughs> the fucking Billy Crystal being low-key dick. I love it. <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> uh i like the uh the scene a lot with uh him fighting andre the giant and <laughs> when he's just like can you imagine andre the giant fucking backing you into a boulder i'd be dead right <laughs> i'd be fucking jello on the side of that boulder dude i do like each time he does it he gets more and more winded with this dialogue. <laughs> it yeah. takes him longer to talk, and he's a lot more exasperated each time. Like after the first one, it's it's kind of the same, and after the second time, he's just kind of, uh, and then he gets this <laughs> wheeze to it after the third time, <laughs> and You're it's gonna... like he's barely conscious, but he's still talking in the same way. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, I, I like uh, with when every time Facini is yelling at Andre the Giant to fight, he's like, my way isn't very sportly. <laughs> yeah, my way isn't very sporting. So he gives him a warning shot across the bow. Yeah, he gives him the warning shot. And then he was just like, what was it? I, I didn't find it here. What is it? He says, like, I could just throw the rock again or something. Like that. And he's like, nope, you have me at a disadvantage or something like that. <laughs> yeah. He wanted great. to fight him hand to hand, and he's like, "No, no, we'll, we'll yeah, fight." Yeah, he tells him, "He's like, yeah," you, and he tells me, "You might have a slight advantage in uh, you, like physical combat." He's just like, <laughs> he's basically like, "It's not my fault. I don't even exercise. <laughs> I'm just the strongest and biggest." <laughs> uh, he's so good, uh, fucking good. I uh, now here's the thing too. Uh, I actually love the little bit of writing in this movie where because about halfway through Wesley gets killed, and when he gets revived. He can't fight or do anything. So I fucking love that the entire third act of this movie, your main kind of like Zorro type character that he's, you know, an homage to doesn't really participate outside of just planning stuff for them. He becomes like their Vicini and just plans stuff for them to do. Yeah. And I think it's really cool that, uh, and not to mention like the physical comedy, like bro, when he, when, uh, when they do the, the all hands in high five and he has to like <laughs> whip his hand twice to get the momentum going to do the high five. <laughs> I fucking love that scene so much. <laughs> I, dude, one thing that I was dying laughing at, and this is so uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail energy, uh, but when uh, the dude runs to the door and shuts the door, and Inigo can't break the door down and just keeps <laughs> bashing it over and over, and just like, Fessick! Fezzik, he's getting like, away! I need you. I need, I need you, you <laughs> And then he's like, I was like, but I can't leave Wesley. He's like, Fezzik, he's getting away! I need you! And he just, like, he's got such a high-pitched, like, scream. And he's just over and over ramming the door. I was like, <laughs> it's like you and me playing Dark Souls when we don't have the key or something. Oh, my God. And like, oh, something's yeah. chasing us. She's like, oh, my God! It's, it's like you've heard me scream like that in a game of PUBG. 
was like, it's got the energy of me in that one PUBG clip we had when I accidentally vaulted over the the the, uh, the fence into two guys. It was like, wrong button, wrong button. <laughs> uh, you know, it just kind of oh dawns on me if you think about it. Uh, Andre the Giant is basically Chewbacca in this movie. This is used yeah, the same yeah. way. Cause yeah, they're very similar. What made me think of it is I just found the give us the key. I don't have a key. Fezzik tear his arms off. Oh, you mean this key? <laughs> like, <laughs> like when you think about him just going over and slapping the door and it falling, or the way he keeps picking people up or saving everyone's ass. Like if you watch Star Wars, Chewbacca saves everyone's ass like yeah, three Chewbacca's times. Chewbacca's the MVP. Chewbacca's <laughs> absolutely the MVP. <laughs> and he's just all oh brute strength. So yeah, they they use him a lot like Chewbacca. I love when uh, Wesley is like talking about all the things like we I could have a plan if you have a wheelbarrow and he's like where's that wheelbarrow he's like oh yeah we get it from the albino well I can't really do the plan without having the type of coat that yeah. the giant just pulls, out, just of his pulls shirt. It out of his shirt like, for no reason yeah, and he's just like it looks so good I mean Max said I could have it uh-huh. <laughs> and he just happens to have all the shit he needs for a plan and it's just so stupid that, that, that I is very love get it. smart is what that is yeah very, yeah, very much so uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I'm not I'm not saying that to knock this movie down. I'm saying these are all things I love that are all mixed together in this movie. Yeah, I, I figured this type of kind of like uh Monty Python it is it's almost like a hodgepodge of it really like Monty is. Python. It's a like Monty Python. Yeah, if you add like Monty Python and kind of like get smart sixties sitcom energy for, as far as like that kind of like comedy uh with uh with Mel Brooks and you just you, you add it all together and you just like it's just awesome blend. Like, uh, <laughs> one of my favorite scenes with Wesley is when they're in the, the fire swamp. <laughs> it's like rodents of unusual size. I don't think they exist. <laughs> he just gets taken out off screen <laughs> as it crosses and jumps into him. <laughs> it's so good. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying I'd like to build a summer home here, but the trees are actually quite lovely. <laughs> um, no, my favorite, let me, let me find it. My favorite part about the dam uh, priest is his name is the impressive clergyman. <laughs> I love true love. We'll follow you forever. His voice. So twice in your love. And they know have what they you have the to wing. Have you the wing? There's just like a there's a pause before he starts talking to to like they they let you basically project this like commanding clergyman voice this guy is about to have right so there's yeah. this pause as as your brain fills in the gaps we are Catholic you holy matrimony and to you princess boa cup <laughs> so good but it's so it is that perfect line of like space falls where it's like it's so stupid that it becomes genius <laughs> and i fucking love it uh why won't my arms move you've been mostly dead all day <laughs> <laughs> that's that's been me the last two days i've been mostly dead all day You've been mostly dead oh my god yeah it's just like it's just one of those movies where uh i, I thought it was like a perfect one to kind of like cut in uh, right like after we had a bunch of episodes back to back and like you're going on vacation we have like bumpos recording because i just feel like this is like just such a charming and likable movie and it's over in a flash and it just it's such like a good good just kind of like background noise to have because like at all at any time you can kind of like tune out and you can tune back in and at any moment there's gonna be a scene that can like make you smile you know like there's all throughout something that is just so likable 
like man, I'm just like scroll back through some of the scenes of it. Uh, the scene when they're rolling down the 500 foot ravine, <laughs> and I can't help but fucking wince because you could tell us actual stuntman just rolling down this like fucking 300 foot hill that they're on. I know. And it's just like, oh my god. I know that this isn't uh, this is not a reference to this movie at all. But I will forever think of, is it the second John Wick where him and, was it Common, are just falling through the stairs and get up, keep fighting and falling down the stairs and they keep fighting. They fall down yeah. the stairs into the Continental and they try to keep fighting and everyone jumps them. And then they fucking one-up that in the fourth one. Yes. Where he, he, he walks up like 5,000 stairs, <laughs> gets to the very top and then gets knocked down all the way all to the 5,000 stairs and you're just watching it and he is falling for about five minutes of screen time. Yeah. He's like, good God. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I I know oh, they're not it. referencing this, but like that, I was just laugh. I laugh every time I see that in John Wick Two, because it's so <laughs> genius, because it's so ridiculous. It's and then, as soon as he started falling down the hill, that was all I could think of. And then, instead of going down the hill, she literally throws herself down the hill. <laughs> like she doesn't try to run and then fall like you would expect. She literally just throws herself. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, also, as if the movie wasn't out for my heart enough, a major plot point is that Inigo Montoya doesn't immediately die when he gets stabbed in the stomach. I was like, thank you. Right. <laughs> uh, and it's awesome. I also, uh, I, I don't think you probably put this uh, together because you hadn't watched it as recently as I did. But, you know, I had told you that uh, we had been watching through Game of Thrones. Uh, so right. that Aurora could kind of watch through that since she liked House of the Dragon. Oberyn Martell, the Viper in Game of Thrones, when you think about it, is a direct callback to Inigo Montoya. Basically. Down to the fact that, down to the fact that when he is having his like revenge scene, what is he doing? He's repeating his one line over and over and over again. Also, just like Inigo Montoya, uh, and he's just he's just a play on that trope because he doesn't get his revenge in the end. It's it's funny that you bring that up because when I was watching this movie. Uh, right around the time he gets stabbed in the stomach, there's a certain camera angle on him that uh, <clears throat> I knew his name at the time. The Mandalorian uh, and uh, and Viper. What's oh uh, god? I could have told you, but then you asked me. Narcos. Uh, like you were just talking about him. Yeah, I will fact check. <laughs> My brain went absolutely. Dude, this is the way I've been <laughs> all day. Um, uh, well, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Pedro Pascal. Uh, I was trying to think of it before yeah. you came up with it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, if this movie was made today, that would be Pedro Pascal in that role, probably. Yeah. Which is so funny because, like, Oberyn is, is Anigo Montoya. Yeah. He's just like that super charismatic, likable dude who's a badass at fighting. Yeah, I see. Uh, it. Has this 20 year revenge plot just like Anigo Montoya. He's just a play on that trope because he loses. You know, he doesn't win <laughs> in the end. I want this. I, I might put this in my Twitter bio. First things first, to the death. No, to the pain. <laughs> uh, one of the most genius moments of the movie is when Inigo uh, takes out the three henchmen of Rugen, and then he just fucking turns and runs full speed down the hallway. Yeah, yeah you're ex- this is that. the part of the movie where in every movie, the big fight starts. Like, the big fight you've been waiting for the whole movie. And it usually spans... Well, it's like the fight in Blazing Saddles. Remember, it kept spanning, spilling over to other yeah. movies. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's so good. And they end up, like, getting in limousines. 
<laughs> um, like, <laughs> like that's what you expect it to be, and instead he just turns and runs. It's so it's good. So fucking good. I love it. Uh, man. <laughs> you keep using I'm that just, word. I do not think it means what you think, you it, think means. it means. You think it means what you think it means. I knew that yeah, line I, before I ever... I didn't even know what movie it was from, but I knew that line. Man, Inconceivable. I, 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 uh, <laughs> yeah, that was... Oh my goodness. Dude, um, I grew up watching Black and White Zorro, so I loved all the Man in Black stuff because that is exactly the way I remember those uh those Zorro episodes to be. Yeah, and it's so perfectly like and like how cool is it that they play on that that trope of you know that that type of character like coming in to save the day he he doesn't really do anything in the third act he just comes up with their plan and then he fakes out the last guy by bluffing that he can actually fight when he can't i, I just i always like that it's a kind of like ahead of its time with kind of breaking that because i feel like back then uh tropes were only broken for like comedic senses but that's just like good writing you know like there it's just a legit good breaking of uh an established trope in the genre they're working with you know it's not it, it you know it's not to like you think of the last like 20 years or so where people actually actively started to try to like break conventional story ideas uh, and that kind of like Joss Whedon angle to well, it, you know, you know, the meme of like, um, the old animated Batman or like Batman 66, like he just happens to have his shark repellent spray on his belt. Like he always has the exact thing that he needs or whatever the utter ridiculous thing is that makes him like the best person in the room. Right. Um, the old, Zorro, black and white. Uh, I want to say I keep wanting to say cartoons. I don't know why they weren't cartoons; they're live action. But uh, the black and white series I used to watch when I was growing up. I mean, he always had just the skill that he—he he was like Shaggy and Scooby Doo. Like if he needed to be a ventriloquist, he was a ventriloquist. Like he yeah. always had the exact means to defeat his opponent. Opponent, even if it was only for the one episode, and. That is what they're doing in that fight with uh, with Inigo Montoya when he's better at everything than Inigo does. Like, he can do the same thing, but better. And, like, the whole, um, I have to tell you something, I'm not left-handed. I tell you something, I'm not left-handed either. <laughs> like, that is the way all the, all the Zorro stuff is. <laughs> so, yeah. and me growing <laughs> up loving Zorro uh, and seeing that fight, that's why that scene is probably my favorite Um but yeah, it's, just, yeah. Th then just keep escalating it to the absurd. Uh, I love how they both open up the fight left-handed, even though they're not left-handed. Yeah. And then Anigo the, the, thinks he has like this huge trump card. He's like, there's something you don't know. I'm not left-handed. <laughs> you know, he yeah. just does the same shit back <laughs> to him. Just, I'm not left-handed either. Like, what? I think I said what out loud. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I fucking love this movie. Uh, this is one of those where if I'm having just like a bad day, it's just like I said, it's a comfort food movie. I'll just throw it on the back. Enjoy some Inigo Montoya. I have, uh, I have a question for you. Yeah, what's up? Have you ever watched any of the Puss in Boots movies? I uh, have been meaning to because of how much everyone fucking loves that newest one. I just everyone haven't gotten around to it. Everyone universally loves that new one. Uh, I've, I have not seen a one. I've never even seen the character in action. I've only seen pictures. I know it's Antonio Banderas, You never saw Banderas, the uh, right? second, never saw the, yeah, it's Antonio Banderas. You never saw the second Shrek? I think that was when he was first introduced, right? The second one. I might have. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of Shrek. 
Um, yeah, uh, I, I've heard it did not age particularly well, but everyone <laughs> fucking loves those Puss in Boots movies. Now I so. am a fan of Shrek in Bloodborne. True. Have, have you ever True. have you ever seen uh, Lobo yeah. Jr. <laughs> fight? Um, what what's the boss called? Where the cauliflower guys keep growing over and over in the garden. Oh, uh, they, the living failures. The living failures. Yeah. Um, they were all replaced with Shrek, <laughs> like the GameCube <laughs> yeah, 3D model of Shrek. It's so good. It's so terrifying. <laughs> I also like how I could fucking pull out of a hat the name of that fucking DLC boss in Bloodborne, but couldn't fucking tell you Pedro Pascal's name like five minutes ago. Like, that's how my brain is programmed to work right now, Dude, apparently. I mean, we're actively going through the Mandalorian again from season one. I should have been able to give you Pedro Pascal's name, but I couldn't. I'm so yeah, tired. My, yeah, uh, my brain is just not where it needs to be right now. Yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, I think I kind of talked about everything I had to talk about. I I just uh, I thought this would be kind of like a breezy movie for us to cover before you go on your vacation. I'm glad that you uh, liked it because uh, it it is it is tough when you are retroactively visiting a movie right that has so much hype around it and so much like uh, like love. Because sometimes you can go back and watch a movie and be like, really, this is like what everyone you know likes about. But I'm glad that there's a lot of the scenes that connected with you like comedically. And that you liked some of the characters. Because I, I think this movie has like some genuinely like wonderful characters. Uh they're very, very kind of simplistic. It's just like all in the like the wittiness of their lines and their delivery and the acting. I, I think the, it's just like a really, really charming movie. The delivery in this movie, even as popular as this movie is, everyone's delivery is, I think is underrated. Yeah, uh, they're because amazing. Without the actor's delivery, none of this works. And yeah. that's that's kind of the genius of the most memorable Monty Python stuff, right? Like they're literally their best a lot of their best skits are John Cleese and I want to say uh is his name Eric Idle. I don't remember if that's actually the guy or not though. Um <clears throat> there's a lot of skits they do where it's just the two of them with a desk between them. They to trade places on who was sitting behind the desk, but they're always having two different conversations that mesh because they're misunderstanding each other. Mm-hmm. and that is some of their most famous skits. I do several of them, and it's literally just two guys standing up in a room having a conversation, and it's some of their most memorable ones <laughs> and because of their delivery and the, the way that they, they talk. And, you know, John Cleese, being very British, can talk very fast. Yes, he can. Uh, so. he's, a, he's a fucking master at that. <laughs> yes, he is. So... And at that demeanor, oh. so and that's that's a lot of why I keep comparing this movie to anything Monty Python because they it's all in the delivery and they all do it so deadpan at times and so straight faced. Like See, that's something um, they, I have only ever I... seen Leslie Nielsen be better at that type thing. I've right. never seen anyone uh, deliver the uh, their lines as well as Leslie Nielsen does in anything Leslie Nielsen. That's actually one thing too that I think is underrated when you think about the way that like a Mel Brooks movie or this or like Monty Python sketches and like the Holy Grail. You think about like the Princess Bride and like Young Frankenstein and the, these types of movies where like the Eagle. thing that sells it is everyone in the cast is on the same page about yes. what the tone needs to be and what their delivery needs to be. That doesn't happen all the time because you and I have talked several times on this sh- the show about stuff we've recorded or stuff we've alluded to where it'll seem like three-fourths of the cast is on board and then you have a few people that seem like they're lost. 
like no one is lost in young frankenstein like no one's lost in the princess bride like everyone is like a part of this like really cohesive tone really just perfect deadpan delivery for stuff and it, it just really boosts how much you can like the movie when everyone is kind of on the same page and there aren't those like standout people where it's just like you seem like you're in a different movie you know like there there's none of that in here well something also like if you think about this type of movie now we had actors at the time that were known for this sort of thing right like my god think about get smart versus the remake movie get smart like it yeah. it just doesn't work because that was a different style of comedy we don't do anymore and you casted for it back then you had actors that could do that type of comedy and you know fucking steve carell is good but he's not maxwell smart you know like, he's not the same type it's not the same type of comedy it's he's, not the same type of comedy yeah. but he was a name that's the thing so you know they tried to like have their cake and eat it too like with that movie they tried to have it be like modern comedy half the time and then the other half of it was kind of like shoehorning in that 60s-esque kind of tone i got and paid to watch like, that movie and i wanted to walk out uh it's like you, you either gotta like buy wholly into it or you know you, you can't at all because if you just kind of try to make it a hodgepodge it's not gonna work yeah that movie did not know what it wanted to be at all but yeah i, I remember when i watched it you know not hating it but uh yeah, well yeah it, it, here's the thing it was very meh and one of my favorite things you've ever said on a recording somewhere, I don't even remember which of the two podcasts it was, but the worst thing a movie can do or any media really can do is be meh because you don't even yeah. dislike it enough to dislike it and you don't like it enough to like it. It just fades away in your brain because yeah. there's nothing to cling on to you know, like for good or you know for worse. And that movie was very, very meh. Yeah. It is. So, you know. it, it, like... It, it reminds me too, just kind of like slightly off topic, but that dude, uh, this whole podcast has been off topic. Uh, true, we I talked mean, about yeah, Thor: Love beginning. and Thunder for twenty minutes. We really did. <laughs> <laughs> Send in questions to screenplayrewind at gmail dot com if you don't want us to talk about Thor: Love and Thunder for twenty minutes, or if you want to hear us talk for another twenty minutes about Thor: Love and Thunder, write in a question about Thor: Love and Thunder because I'll talk about those goats. I'll talk about the time. goats. I'll make a whole separate podcast, the goddamn Love and Thunder Goats, because I love those things. I laughed every, I, like a fucking idiot, I laughed every time they fucking screamed on their way into the screen. When he whistles for them in Zeus's court, and you just hear them getting closer from a distance. <laughs> my absolute favorite one was that because it's black and white, you can't tell how far away that planet is. You have no perspective. And when they smash into it, and then like two seconds later, you hear the scream. <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> I love those goddamn goats. <laughs> they, they literally give you time to go, oh, before you hear that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my so good. goodness. I also uh, found like a pretty funny bit of trivia. Uh, Rob Reiner is the voice of the rodents of unusual size in The Princess Bride, which is fucking awesome. <laughs> of all the roles to give yourself, that's amazing. Yeah, that's fucking genius. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that you liked it, and uh, glad to have it on the show just to give me an excuse, an excuse to watch it again because I I genuinely love this movie and I think it's I, I think it's one that uh, if if you ever get around like watching it again, I think you'll find yourself growing to like it even more. Because you'll realize, like, 
the script is fucking incredible at, at how consistent it is at, like from you know throughout the scenes of yeah. consistently bringing great one-liners like great charisma with its actors and it, it's just really really strong really consistent and i think i i think it works i think it holds up really well because some of these movies of this kind of type like uh sometimes don't hold up especially like you know like with like 80s classics how like they can be kind of like hit or miss i think yeah whereas sometimes you go back and watch you're just like really this is like what everyone's up in a fuss about but i think this holds up pretty well I, I, I think another really reason why you couldn't make this movie today is look at what happened with like i don't even know what you call it now it, it used to be just the scary movie franchise but then they branched out to superhero movie and the spoof movies yeah the spoof movies yeah. um if you look at them compared to something like anything Mel Brooks did or whatever, like they hired the people they hired because those people were characters or had a shtick, like they'd be Saturday Night Live people or something. Whereas, you know, back in the days of Get Smart and Princess Bride and uh, Monty Python movies and stuff, like, like you said, they're all on the same page. Everyone knows what the tone is. And... I mean, my God, fucking uh, uh, Robin Wright is known for dramatic roles, and she's yeah. hilarious in this. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. Um, yeah, it's this movie uh, is right up there with like airplane and stuff. With everybody's playing it straight, right? Like, this is just the world. They're not trying to make it like, oh my God, the spoof movies. The, the, yeah, they, the like, the, like the thing, setback, uh, setback comedy, like two decades, how bad they were. Yeah, the only thing they were cheap to make too, so they kept cranking them out. Oh man, they only did one thing that ever made me laugh too. But they, the thing that only thing that is missing from those movies is literally turning to the camera and winking. And I'm willing to bet they do it in at least one movie. Yeah, probably more than once. The only thing, uh, to be honest, the only thing they ever did that made me laugh, and I hate myself for laughing at it. I. I hate myself for laughing at anything they did in those movies. But do you remember the Superman Returns trailer? Every single trailer had that shot of the bullet hitting his eye and flattening and bouncing <laughs> yeah. off. And then in the superhero yeah. movie, he gets shot in the eye. And he's like, oh, oh, God, oh, my eye. And he like falls over backwards <laughs> that, off the building. <laughs> that That is a family guy joke. That's why it works. Like That is a fucking family guy joke through and through. Oh, and... it's a solid mass of metal. It's not liquid at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. But yeah, him getting shot what in the eye the, and uh, reacting to it actually made what me was, laugh. What was that? So there was even like a sub-level of comedic spoof movies that were even worse than like the scary movie ones. Oh, God, I can't And imagine. they were the ones by... Do you remember they had the 300 spoof ones, like Meet the Spartans? Do you remember that? No. And th that one was somehow even on like a tier below scary movie. Oh, my God. And being even fucking worse than that. Did you know Scream's uh, original title was Scary Movie? What a different world <laughs> right? we would live in. Yeah. But... Scream also works as a parody name too, so that that's probably what would have happened, probably. But yeah, um, no, they would be called like scarier movie or some stupid bullshit. <laughs> Scariest movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, those movies made me sad, and if you got the short straw at work, that was what you were screening. So you and it screen. was awful, dude. It's kind of sad. How many times during a year, Ron, 
do you go out of your way to watch a recent release of a comedy? Hardly ever, right? Yeah. Because I find I find myself I can't remember the last time I went out and sought out a specific comedy that was released like uh, concurrently within the last like five years. It's uh the only the, the closest I will get is if it's something like like a Shane Black like the nice guys. Like how it's technically a comedy, but it's also a drama at the same time, you know, because it's a Shane well, Black movie. It, ha- it has to be from a director that I respect, basically. You can trace that back, to, like you were saying, to like Scary Movie, because they were so bad, but they were so cheap to make, they cranked them out, and it set comedy back 20 years, because they were all just people screaming, people falling down. It was very childish humor. Yeah. And... What we don't get anymore, like on the surface, airplane seems very childish and stupid. But if you actually sit down and watch that movie and think about what they're doing, the references they're making, how they're doing it, it's written so smart. Yeah, it's really intelligent. It, it's like sleight of hand with how smart it is. Yeah, and I mean, the Naked Gun, right? Uh, uh, Hot Shots, Hot Shots Part Duh, like all those movies. They seem like a Looney Tune, but even if you look at Looney Tunes, they are written so smart, and that is what is missing now. But you're finding that in things like The Nice Guys. You're finding it where, you know, these days we blur the lines between genres, right? Music does it, games do it, TV and movies do it. It used to be this movie is a drama, this movie is a romantic comedy, this movie is an action movie, you know. You get stuff like, um, like one of the main things that I credit Independence Day for is that movie was like 1996. It's one of the first times that I remember a movie being drama, being comedy, having touches of romance here and there, being sci-fi action, um, just kind of blurring all the lines. You know who is a modern person who I think really, really consistently like knocks it out of the park? That kind of like higher level comedy, even though it's kind of like spoofing of thing. Uh, Edgar Wright with yes. like Shaun of the Dead and uh, Scott Pilgrim. Like, uh, I-, I think he really, really gets, you know. Did he do Baby Driver? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, a lot of <laughs> he those. Puts the, he puts the Asian in home invasion. <laughs> 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 that is just that's the type of like next level like you're right I'm, I'm fucking here for <laughs> yeah that that type of stuff though i you know like i said on the surface it seems really stupid but if you actually sit back and think about it it's really smart it's really yeah. smart and because like why write an action movie and then write a comedy why not write an action comedy why not put some drama in it i mean yeah. you're getting auteurs now that do that type of thing that are making their vision which is more i mean my god if you just watch the trailer for scott pilgrim it looks like the dumbest movie ever but maybe it'll be fun that movie movie is so smart that movie should not work and it is fucking genius when you sit around and actually like kind of just figure out how it how it is so cohesive when it has no business working at all chicken's not vegan (laughs) It's milk and eggs, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) The only other movie I've seen that guy in is Pacific Rim, by the way. No no vegan diet, no vegan powers. (laughs) 
He's like Mewtwo until they take his vegan powers. <laughs> oh my god. I fucking adore Scott Pilgrim so much. How have I not had that on the show yet? I don't know. I've been waiting for you to do it. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna uh, do one it of these days, I'm gonna pull the trigger and get Baby Driver on here. I'm just not far enough away from the Kevin Spacey stuff yet. Uh, I think he's in the movie like uh he also you know, groomed he, he, a child in the movie to be a thief. That's true, but he's also like barely in the movie really. I uh, I think he, I could get past it if the movie wasn't literally about the fact that he groomed him to be a criminal and Kevin Spacey's yes. out there grooming people like I just I don't that's that's yeah. the biggest hang up that I have with getting I, I, it on I the still show. fucking love that movie though. I think it's basically like perfect. I I uh it is unfortunate, uh, and that's that's unfortunate with like, all of his stuff. Like Kevin he, Space used to be like a draw to a movie that you otherwise wouldn't be interested in, but just because I he was so fucking good in it. Don't care what people say about Superman Returns. I love that movie, and I love him as Lex Luthor. Yeah, he's really good. I, I really like liked that. him. He's, I, he's eccentric enough to be Lex Luthor easily. I don't. And love there were that no movie Jolly overall. Ranchers. That's true. I don't absolutely love that movie but i do think it kind of got shot on too much uh i do it's, think it's, it's kind of insane how everyone was like brandon routh is not christopher reeves what the fuck and then then we get henry cavill and like i want christopher reeves give me someone that is like christopher reeves it, it, yeah, it's like we just <laughs> you gave you that, that and you had nothing but complain <laughs> you had that and you hated it so here's this yeah. and now you hate and it did you that people that can never fucking be satisfied are Superman fans. I know. Like, there is nothing you can do that will make those people fucking happy. They will always find like, something to complain about. Like, look, it's insane. I grew up watching George Reeves. I grew up watching Christopher Reeves. I grew up with the the Fleischer cartoons, which are fucking gorgeous to this day. I showed uh, Nathan and Haley some of them the other day. They're amazing. They are so gorgeous. My favorite one with the the giant magnet pulling the meteor down to Earth and he's flying out in the sky and punching the meteor. Oh, it's so beautiful. The, the animation's so gorgeous. You can watch those on mute and just yeah. be like staring at it with your jaw the, open because it's so The meteor is not amazing. just a rock hurtling down. It's spinning and it's spinning all this like fire and brimstone off of it across the screen. It fills the whole yep. screen. It's so, so pretty to look at. It's going to end the earth, but it's so pretty to look at. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like most things in space. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's... So I grew up on Superman before I ever discovered Batman. And I... I like Superman um, 1 and 2. I've seen 3 and 4. I don't remember them. I know everyone says they're bad, but those are from Superman fans, and I can't trust them. Uh, the, the, the fourth one is oh, one of the worst Oh, that's why they called it that. The, uh, <laughs> the third one is also really bizarre. The third one has Richard Pryor in it, and yeah. a completely separate <laughs> plot line that it feels like it's from a totally different movie. Which one? It's real bizarre. Which one is not Bizarro? That's four. That's okay. The, I like uh, that one. I like that one a lot. Uh, the only thing I remember about that one really Atomic is Man. Where is that what they call him? Christopher. Is that the one where Christopher Reeve is in the bar with like the beard and he's just like depressed Superman? It's kind of awesome. I think it's that one. There's a. I know there's a scene in that movie where like Atomic Man like scratches him or something and he gets sick for the first time because he has no immune system. He's never needed one. So, like, there's this really dramatic scene when he gets beaten. It's like the first time he gets beaten in the movie. And they do it very soundly as well. 
there's this really awesome sequence where the camera just kind of hangs on a wide shot of New York in the background and the foreground is the Statue of Liberty and his cape is just dangling by itself off of the torch. Nice. It's a really beautiful shot. But then uh, when he finally surfaces again, he's he's Clark Kent in his apartment and he has like this terrible fever and he's shivering and stuff because he's never been sick before and he got beat so soundly he's sick now. Um, he also does... I don't a think I... Sorry, go ahead. That's to say, they also do this thing where I feel like in the Christopher Reeve movies and in the George Reeves movies, he solves every problem by being bulletproof and punching something really hard. And he actually does this really smart thing where he figures out Atomic Man is powered by the sun, literally. Like, Superman gets his powers from the nature of our sun, but he's also still he also still functions without the sun. He just doesn't have powers. Atomic Man shuts down when he's not in direct sunlight, and he traps Atomic Man in an elevator and flies the elevator to the dark side of the moon. Nice. Like I was like, oh, he's fucking using his brain. He's supposed to be a genius because his synapses in his brain fire faster than a human's. But he always is, oh, I'm bulletproof. I punch this. I win. And Which is so funny because in, in Superman Returns, he literally doesn't punch a single thing the entire movie. <laughs> dude. I don't care what anyone says. That plane crash sequence is fucking phenomenal. And that was in IMAX 3D. Yeah, that, that scene was pretty, really well done. I love that scene so much. The only thing I don't like about the Christopher Reeve Superman movies is how the way they wrote it. It's like whatever jam he gets into, his powers can magically do the thing that he needs to do. It's like, oh, Zorro. he can turn back time. <laughs> he can turn back time. Oh, he needs to kiss Lois Lane to make her forget his identity yeah. and nothing else in her memory. Oh, he can do that. Oh, he needs his logo on his chest to be a, like a, a murder for his beat. It, it <laughs> can do. It can do that. Dude, I, I, okay, here's the thing. Um, people complained that he's not realistic enough. And they made the Henry Cavill movies more realistic. And then they complain that they're not leaning into the fact that he is a god more. And I'm like, that's what they did with Christopher Reeves. He was literally a god. He had yeah. godlike powers. Yeah, he, he he is Jesus yes. in that movie. He can do whatever the fuck he wants with his magical fucking powers. Okay, real it quick, is really fucking dumb. Real quick before we get, get off the Superman train, do you want to know what episode we just got to in Justice League? Because I've been showing... Nathan Haley, See, Vitas, and Justice League. That Justice, the Justice League cartoon Superman is my favorite Superman. That's yes. the, the, I I think Same. he is a perfect interpretation of that character. It's it's unfortunate Dude. in the first season that they realized, uh, and the, the writers who actually talked about it later, like a commentary thing I watched. Or, you don't or need the somewhere. Justice League if you have Superman. Where the way that they established every single threat in the first season of that cartoon was Superman gets his ass kicked over and over and over again. Dude, Thanos just <laughs> beat they, the shit out of the Hulk. And e yeah, and everyone like realized that they had done that. And they were like, oh, we have to make Superman like, you know, cool and badass. Uh, okay, first but, off. Uh, but I, I, still, I still love him in that cartoon. He's my favorite version. Before I tell you where we are, I have to tell you this. Just to uh, make your point. Superman, that speech... He gives to Darkseid about how he lives in a cardboard universe. It's fucking metal. Do you remember that? that. His, yeah, his that's slow, a, that's like badass walk to Darkseid. And he keeps talking about his how he lives in a cardboard world and he can't barely touch anything. He's afraid to touch or interact with people and stuff. And then he walks right up to Darkseid and goes, but you big guy, 
you can take it, can't you? And he fucking Hell uppercuts yeah. him to orbit. <laughs> like, Fuck yeah, dude. It goes Dragon Ball Z in that scene. Yeah, that's when they're fighting in like the abandoned city, right? Yeah. They're just like, yeah, it's badass. But I you, love big that. guy, you can take it. Um, no, I, me and uh, Nathan and Haley just got to when Lex Luthor is dying of cancer because it turns out kryptonite is toxic to humans just at a slower rate. Do you remember that? It's where he builds a mazo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I fucking love those episodes because like Lex Luthor is dying of cancer because of his own stupidity. This thing is radioactive. We know it's radioactive. Yeah. And his own arrogance. He and, he thought he could never be touched. And he keeps yeah. blaming Superman for the fact that he's dying. Like, yeah. it, those, it's dude, so like, good. The, the emotional intelligence of those fucking cartoons, man. Like it's crazy. Yeah. They're so good. I don't remember how we got here, but we got to get off of this. But yeah, That's we, a, yeah, these yeah, are we've been on, movies. we've been on several, several random tangents. Here's, okay. this one, but here's the thing. Okay. You know why we've been on all these tangents? The Princess Bride. It good. Go watch. It good. Go watch. It I good, have go no watch. notes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's no notes. Like I said, my only problem I have with it is I saw Men in Tights first, and that is not the movie's fault. Mm-mm. I had uh, I had ten years in there to see this movie first. So you yeah. know. And it, and it still held up, and it's still good. And it still you held still up like to it. the height. What yeah, movie it's, it's holds up to the height? I After literally 30, told you not to listen to Guardians 3 hype when yeah. you went to go see it because it won't hold up to it. Yeah, I, I still, we didn't end up getting to go watch it, unfortunately, oh. but uh, I, I still need to so I can talk to you about it. But uh, yeah, yeah, let's uh, let's get the fuck out of here before we go on another tangent because it's just it's like a fucking time Speaking bomb right now, Speaking of tangents, none. Uh, yeah, I will do the sign-off, and then I will turn it over to Ron to announce uh, mm-hmm, his mm-hmm. next selection. Uh, Ron's As first pick after Friends and Family Month. It's kind of crazy. We're back We're back in control. I am scared. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I, I've been torn between two movies, and I know you like both of them. You've seen both of them, and I know you like both of them. So. All right, all right. Uh, let me do the plugs, then we'll announce it. Uh, if you would like to follow the show more... Uh, we are on Twitter at SPR Filmcast, where you can follow us for show updates and other stuff that we occasionally post until Twitter burns to the ground, which is probably any day now. <laughs> Tomorrow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, you, you can, uh, if you want to have a tangent discussed by Ron and myself, email us screenplayrewind at gmail.com. Screenplayrewind at gmail.com. Screenplayrewind at gmail.com. I know say. those guys. <laughs> merchandising, merchandising. <laughs> You can play Rewind the Lunchbox. <laughs> the Flamethrower. The kids love <laughs> The breakfast cereal. I think that's my favorite one because so many things became breakfast cereals that should not have been breakfast cereals. <laughs> <laughs> the Flamethrower is good because it's the dial it to 11 thing, but the breakfast cereal, I think, makes me laugh harder than anything. It's, yeah, it's, it's perfect. It's, everything's a lunchbox, but there are so many things that became a breakfast cereal. <laughs> Um, uh, ratings or reviews on whichever platform you found us on always helps us out uh, share us out to your friends and if you watched us on YouTube uh, drop a like and subscribe we really appreciate it Ron what is going to be the next episode over so I had my movie originally picked out then I watched this movie and it made me think of another one and I think I want to stay in the same vein so I think I want to pick the second one it's also on Disney Plus and it is the Three Musketeers there you go. There you go. There, this is the uh, the Charlie Sheen one, right? Yes. It's uh, okay. Uh, hang on. I am going to actually read off the cast real quick for anyone that is in doubt. Because this is 
my favorite Three Musketeers movie. I think the whole reason I got really into the Three Musketeers is because of this movie. It's one of the earlier movies that I remember just watching on repeat. And yeah, it's really strong. It's what led me to go read the original, and I watch every Musketeers movie pretty much that comes out, and it's all because of this movie. Um, Stephen Herrick directs. Um, David Lowry writes, but listen to this cast. Aramis is Charlie Sheen. Athos is Kiefer Sutherland. D'Artagnan is Chris O'Donnell. Oliver Platt is my favorite character, Porthos. Tim Curry is Cardinal Richelieu. Fuck yes, he is. <laughs> right? Um, Michael Wincott is Rochefort. Oh, man. Paul McGann is in the movie. Like, this movie... Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful cast. This movie is my favorite interpretation of the story. It's that if you don't have Disney+, Plus, you can probably get a trial. But if you're looking it up in other places, I think it's available pretty much everywhere you can rent things. It's the 1993 Disney version of The Three Musketeers. It has a PG rating. I think today it would probably be PG-13. But, um, oh my God, it's so good. And it is... The blueprint, in my opinion, for Pirates of the Caribbean. We'll talk about it when we. Yeah, when I can see that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, you said it was on Disney Plus. It is on Disney Plus. I looked it up before we started the show. Sweet. All right. Yeah. I'm I didn't know I it was on Disney Plus. I haven't found it on there yet, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I like that movie quite a bit. So I'm excited to have an excuse to check it out. Oh, it's so good, and I was. I loaned it to you, right? Didn't I? Is that the one I loaned you on DVD? Yeah, yeah. You let me borrow it. When I checked it out. I because I had. Uh, I I feel like I had probably seen it at some point in the '90s when I was younger, but I had. I, I think I might have seen it when I was so young that I didn't really remember it. But when I watched it, I liked it quite a bit. I remember distinctly buying that DVD, and then never opening it. I opened it to give it to you to watch. Because I was so scared it would not hold up to my memories of it that I couldn't bring myself to watch it. And oh, I really? and I had recommended it to you. And I literally tore the cellophane off before you came over and gave it to you. You were the only one that's ever used that DVD. And I remember you just sending me, telling you, um, I remember telling you that I'm afraid to watch it. Because I loved this movie so much growing up. And I remember getting a text from you that just all it said was it holds up. It didn't say anything yeah, else. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, I, w I was the reason you watched it again because yeah. I told you, hey, it holds up. It's fucking good. Like, watch it. <laughs> like, and then you and then you watched it. And then like it, it was it, like uh, two or like three felt... days later, I, I looked it up and watched it. Uh, but yeah, and you kind of like fell in love with it all over again. I, I, if I recall pretty much. It, it, it's, yeah. it, it was exactly the way I remembered it as a kid. Yeah, that's all. That's always cool. Like it is, it is tough when you kind of like have to walk on eggshells with something you know you liked as a kid, and you're just like, man, am I gonna hate this? And then I'm just gonna be fucking bummed out because you realize, like, man, I was really stupid as a child. <laughs> <laughs> I have this movie on VHS at my parents' house, and that VHS is plumb wore out. Yeah. So yeah, I'm happy yeah. to see IMDb shows its popularity is rising currently. Nice. Uh, it was like '94, right? I think that was like the year it came out. '93 the version, because there's there's been there's been like fucking twenty three Musketeers movies by now. There, that's like they're not all the good. Only... <laughs> yeah, they're not all good. Yeah, the, uh, the the only difference in the name a lot of the time is the year in which it came out. Yeah, <laughs> a bunch of the... yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Is this? Be sure to, uh... Uh, let me see. There's this one. 
I remember I saw it fairly recently. Is it this one? Is this the one with the airships? There's one that hit the Cardinal Richelieu's secret weapon. Yes, is the blimp. Is it the Christoph? Is it the Christoph Waltz? Yes, he was in the he's Cardinal Richelieu. I haven't seen that one. Oh uh, boy, I did. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the best movie of that year, and you uh, you definitely recommend it, right? Milady mm, de Winter was Mila Jovovich. That was really good. I remember that. Interesting, but. Luke Evans was Aramis. That was he was really good. I like Luke Evans a lot. But Orlando Bloom was in it. Mads Mikkelsen was Rochefort. Christoph Waltz really was Richelieu. The cast him, yeah, him is him is Rochefort is really good. Dude, Christoph Waltz is Richelieu. Yeah, there's like excellent casting. It just sounds like the script wasn't as up to par as it should have been. It was it was Paul W S Anderson. Yeah, as the explosions. Yeah, pretty uh, much. And, yeah. you know, things blew up really good, uh, but... It's just usually in a really, really dumb situation when it's happening. <laughs> yeah. So, and... Uh, it's kind of like his forte. Like, I feel like Luke Evans keeps getting so close. Like, he keeps getting big names, like Three Musketeers is a major property. It bombs. Um, Dracula, what, what was the Dracula movie he was in? Uh, Dracula Untold? Dracula, yeah. I mean... Come on, it's Dracula. Dracula always does well, right? It bombs. Uh, everyone hates the Hobbit movies. He was in the Hobbit movies. Like he keeps getting so close. Yeah, uh, he had a pretty good uh, run with the. Uh, oh God. But Gaston. Beauty and the Beast. Everyone was hates it, yeah, that was... movie except us. I feel like even if you hate that movie, you gotta like at least like him. To me, he's he he and uh, oh, what's his fuck? Josh Gad. Uh, yeah, to me, they're they what are what make that movie oh, to me. Ray Stevenson was Porthos. I left that part out. I think he just recently passed away, which is a real shame. I always liked Ray Stevenson a lot. Uh oh yeah, May twenty first, yeah. fifty eight like, years old. My God, yeah, it was a real bummer. You need to watch. Did you ever watch Punisher Warzone with him in it? No. That would be a good one. That that is like a fucking Ron movie if there ever was one. I think you will fucking love Punisher Warzone because it's just like insane. I hear it's really good and it is bonkers. They were <laughs> there was a uh, a podcast I was listening to where they were talking. I guess they're talking about it because he died. Yeah, um, it was a shock because he yeah, he was just in his like late fifties. They uh, were talking about it. He died while filming. Oh wow, that sucks. He wasn't making a yeah. movie when he died. Uh anyways, they um uh, they were talking about and they said that it was uh the good one of the two Punisher movies. And I like that Thomas Jane movie, dude. I like it too. I, I yeah, I think people uh, hate on it. What's unfairly. uh what's Foster's name? Um is it Ben Foster? Ben Foster, Ben Foster. Dude, when uh Will Patton just starts ripping out his fucking piercings. Like, my God. The popsicle scene or my, remains oh, one of my favorite dude. scenes in a comic book movie. That's so good. <laughs> the popsicle good. scene is so good. Oh, uh, anyway. Love Three it. Musketeers. Yeah. Go, it good. Go watch. It, it, yeah, it good. Go watch. Uh, it's I, Disney I think Plus. If you you did, already have it. You know you do. I think if you did a double feature of The Princess Bride... And the oh. Three Musketeers. That's a hell of a good afternoon. I think my love affair with France is due to this movie. I love. That's fair. I've been to France. I only got to go for ten days, I, but I love yeah. the culture. I love the history, the food. 
I would love to visit there. It's, it's always one of my like so uh, good. main main attractions as far as like visiting I think it, Europe and everything. It uh, the main wanting to learn the language, everything I think stems from the Three Musketeers. I mean, yeah. I used to watch the Mouse uh not uh what was what was the Mickey Mouse one? It's not Musketeers. That's a different thing. That's like Mickey Mouse Club. Uh, what was the Three Musketeers Mickey did and then there's the Tom and Jerry uh, one where like his nephew Jerry's nephew or something is there and he's a he's a mouseketeer. The, you know the, his nephew the gray mouse that's in the diaper. There's one where he just has the musketeer hat and a rapier for no reason. He keeps sticking Tom with it. Vaguely, yeah, uh, all that all that <laughs> stuff. I'm into all of it. Yeah, there you go. All yeah, for one. Musketeers, go check it out. So yeah. you can uh, follow along with us and uh. I don't think our the as far as like the schedule for when the episodes drop got changed, right? We just recorded this one in advance, but the schedule will remain the same, right? Exactly. I will All actually right, be on the plane back. I'm leaving in two days, but by the time this goes live, I will be on the plane coming back. Okay, cool, cool. All right, yeah, check that out on Disney Plus. So you can follow along with us in a couple of weeks uh, whenever we drop the next episode. Uh, and yeah, uh, thanks for listening and have a good night. <laughs>